Amen. You may be seated. Jesus knows our every weakness. Does that mean He just knows about them? Is that just an intellectual knowing? No. Took on a true human nature. Suffered in all points like we do. Understands our weakness better than we do. Suffers with us. What do you say to Paul? Why are you persecuting me? He knows. All right. Turn to John chapter 6, if you would. Have Jesus feeding the 5,000, Jesus walking on the water. Revealing himself to his disciples. Jesus revealing himself, therefore, then as the bread of life. And then going on to talk about the words of eternal life and teaching. Literally, really, if you keep reading, um, doctrine of election clearly taught in the context of this section. Besides the passage we're going to look at. But um, I want us to look at uh, verses 37 to 40. And uh, this one has always stuck out to me when I think about God's sovereignty and salvation and man's responsibility to believe those two things not being enemies but friends, as Spurgeon would say, no need to reconcile sovereignty and, and man's responsibility. But look, look what Jesus says in uh, John chapter 6, verse 37. And think about what we've been seeing in Romans. All that the Father gives me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I mean, I skipped up. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, same thing, him who sent me, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Let's pray. Lord, just guide us as we look at this, these verses and think about them and talk about them and maybe talk about others. and um, We just uh, commit ourselves and our time to you. Pray for your blessing that you would just, by your Spirit, take your word and grow and strengthen and secure us in Christ. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Notice that first statement in verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the assurance that those who come, will, he will never cast out. We'll talk about those who come more in verse 40. But then he says, we, we, he's come down to do the will of him who sent me. And, and so you see that language again in verse 39 and then will of the Father in verse 40. But look at this, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And then verse 40, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. And if you go read his high priestly prayer in chapter 17, he, he clearly says, I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me out of the world. 
So notice in this text that it says the, 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 all that has been given by the Father to the Son will come to Him. And that of those who were given to Him, verse 39, He will lose nothing, but He will raise them up on the last day. So you can see there um, reflections of what we've been studying. That we were chosen before the foundation of the world. Given to the Son before the foundation of the world. And the Son came to save His people. And we talked a lot about this when we looked at the doctrines of grace in the class on Sunday nights. So that everyone given to the Son will come to the Son in faith. We know and we'll talk about that in verse 40. And that of the ones that were given to the Son, He's not going to lose any of them but raise them up on the last day. So do you see why I'm equating that with what we've been studying in Romans? That there is a definite people made up of Jew and Gentile that have been given to the Son that Christ came to save and will save and will lose none but raise them up on the last day. And that's just taking His words at face value there. None can come to me unless the Father draws him later in the chapter. Literally, that, that's how we get water out of a well. Drags him, brings him, right? It's not a wooing. It's a bringing to the Son. All will be taught of the Father through the Spirit, applying the gospel to our hearts. But just let those words sit a minute that all that the Father gives me will come to me He'll never cast out anyone who comes to him. He's come down to do the will of the Father, the will of the one who sent him. We know that's the Father. And he will, that will, the will of the Father is that the Son lose nothing of all that the Father has given him, but raise them up on the last day. So that's another from the lips of Christ, and you see more in chapter 6. That's another way of stating the doctrine of election. That there are a people given to the Son who are saved by the Son and kept. You can see that in Peter, right? That that salvation that we're kept, kept by God's power. And uh, Mike's been teaching on that out out at uh, the landings in one sermon here. Kept by his power. So of all that the Father gives me, they'll come to me and I'll lose none of them. We were chosen by him before the foundation of the world. Vessels of mercy, Romans 9. The purpose of God in election is that it doesn't depend on us, our decisions or our efforts, but on God who has mercy. So the true Israel, the true seed of Abraham, the true children of God, the true Israel are those that were given to the Son before the foundation of the world of which he will lose none. So that's kind of the sovereignty side of it here in in John chapter 6. Thoughts or comments on on those verses as you look at them? Yes, ma'am. I just wonder, is there any sense of significance in the way that they describe the people here? They they say all, and then they call all of them it. Yeah, Yeah, think of the, the total package as a gift. Right? That I should lose nothing of all that he's given me, but raise it all up, raise them all up on the last day. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Keeping it in context, you can see from the verse above that, that, the, the, that it's the ones that are coming to him, right? And the ones that are coming to him are the ones that were given to him. And therefore, the ones that he will keep. So this, this is in its context talking about people and salvation there. Yeah, I think that's an older revision. Um, here, I'll look at one more. Yeah, 40 talks about him. 39 says, she's talking about 39 where it says it. Right? But all that even being parallel, right? So you can see, it's kind of like, this is almost like Hebrew parallelism in its form where you can see Want to know what this means? Just keep reading. Corey. I was just going to say, if, if you look at John's other writings, you'll see he does what we would call odd things in, the, in a similar way. So his example in 1 John, he says, that which was from the beginning. Yeah. Which he's talking about Jesus there. Very good. Which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. He's saying that. He's calling Jesus that. So he does that a lot in his writings with Correct. Yeah, it's not always that way in, in, in the Bible, in the Greek. So, New American Standard LSB has the same thing. Um, but every one that the Father has given him will not only come to him, but will be kept and will be raised on the last day. Think about our study in Romans 8 where it says, those whom he predestined, he called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he glorified. Right? And we're talking about the work of the Father there, the work of God there, where we are foreloved, predestined, called, effectually called to faith. Therefore, having faith in Jesus, justified on the basis of Jesus. And the, those, those, all those whom he justifies, he will glorify. So it's kind of saying a similar thing, that of all that's been given to me, they will all come to me, and I will lose none of them, but raise them up on the last day. So, you know, verses like, he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of redemption. God never starts a work and doesn't finish it. Every single person who has ever had true faith, persevered in that faith through times of weakness and struggle and doubt and victory and strength and all other. But true faith is a faith that is, that is um, preserved by God and that endures to the end. So if anybody ever has true faith in Jesus, if there's real repentance and faith, Produced by the Spirit in the life, that faith will make it to the end. Because it depends on Him. He gave it. He will sustain it. And He will finish that work. So anytime, and I, I said this earlier today, anytime you ever see somebody claim to have been a Christian, but they have turned their backs on it. Now there is one potential that they are backslidden and will be brought back. But if not, 
that what they're revealing that they had one of those other soils, not the true soil. They, they did not have true faith because it will persevere to the end. I mean, Paul says something similar in 1 Corinthians, unless you believed in vain or with false faith, in, in other words. But notice what I want you to see in this text, and that, it, that, it, that the ones who come to Jesus have been given to him by the Father, and all that have been given to him, he will raise them up. He'll finish the work. So we, first and foremost, we didn't give ourselves to Jesus. We weren't around when this was happening. Our parents weren't even around. No molecules were here. This is before the foundation of the world. Everyone given to him will be saved. All right, look at verse 40. Here's the responsibility side. I'll go ahead and read this and then we can, we can talk about it. Now, notice this repetition in the first part of 39, for this is the will of him who sent me, right? And then at the beginning of verse 40, same thing, he's just identifying him who sent him, right? For this is the will of my father. So the will of the father in 39 is that he lose nothing of all that the father's given him, but raise it up the last day. And then in 40, this is the will of my father. And notice the responsibility side. Yes, everyone has to come to faith. We come to faith, though, because he's at work in us. This is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will notice the similar language at the end. I will raise him up on the last day. Everyone who looks in faith to the Son has eternal life, and I will raise him up. On the last day. When, when does eternal life begin for the believer? Moment of faith. Moment of faith. At the, the, at, when we trust in Jesus from that point, we have eternal life in Him. Doesn't mean our bodies won't die. Right? But our spirit, our inner man our, the, will not die. In any way. Certainly not be cast into hell, that second death, but will not experience that. To be absent from the body is to be dead for a while. Is that what it says? To be absent from the body is to go to purgatory for a while. Is that what it says? To be absent from the body is to be... How long does that trip take? Not a slow train, is it? Angels come get you and you're there. Death's just a door. Door into freedom and presence of the Lord and rejoicing like you never imagined. And those who've gone on before us wouldn't come back. They want us to be there. They wouldn't come back. Not unless the Lord makes them. But you see, you see why I sort of brought this. I was hoping this would spur some discussion because you, you have both sides of the issue in this text. On one side, the, the people that are given to Christ will come to Christ and be secure in Christ. On the other side, the ones who look and believe in the Son have eternal life and He'll raise them up on the last day. That's what we're going to see as we continue our study in Romans. We're going to see a shift now.
to start focusing on Israel's unbelief and where they, how they stumbled over the, the stumbling stone, which is Christ. Right? They, they, tried, they, they pursued it legalistically. They pursued it as though it was by the law right, that they would be converted. And they stumbled. And they did not believe in their own Messiah. So you have, you have the word not failing. You have the word doesn't fail because of election, sovereignty. And then, but you see responsibility hammered out in the, in the next part of the text. So we can, never, we can never use, what we tend to do if we're rationalistic is we're going we're gonna to have to make it so we can understand it. So we'll either wash out sovereignty or we'll wash out responsibility. We'll either be a hyper-Calvinist or an Arminian, but not truly biblically reformed. Remember I read the confession to you that he has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass, right, in chapter 3. Yet, not so as he's the author of sin, nor does he violate the will of the creature or take away second causes. Sovereignty, responsibility, Bible teaches both. We will never be able to blame our lostness on God, our sin on God, if we are lost, it's our fault. We're saved, it's his. I know that's hard to get the brain to spark out, and it can't. Just stop. Does the Bible teach it? Yes, it teaches both. Okay, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to hold to it. It's there for my security. I don't have to figure it all out. He's already done that. And if I try to figure out, if I go beyond what's written, if I go beyond what the word, I'm going into error. If I don't have revelation for it, I'm going into error. Because think about it, I mentioned it this morning, the Trinity. We go as far as the word goes and no farther. That's Calvin's great advice. Go as far as the word goes and no farther. Accept it if it's taught. And few things are more clearly taught in Scripture than the doctrine of election and the doctrine of our responsibility before a holy and sovereign God. Do y'all have any questions about this text or any other text or are you struggling in any way with what you've heard in Romans 9, need clarification, maybe from another text? Is there anything, questions, struggles that you have? I mean, I rejoice if you don't. But if you have questions, now's the time. Nobody's going to judge you. Go to the next verse. Like the Jews grumbled about him because they were some of the same people that had been fed. Mm-hmm. They follow him across the Sea of Galilee, and then they're there. Like, aren't you feeding? Like, why are you giving me this hard thing? You know, you're giving me this hard thing that was hard for them, so it's going to be hard for us. Right. They certainly didn't get it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's it's the way Paul always answers the objection right away, and it's like even here in this, that isn't the letter that way. It's still like, hey, this is expected to be hard. They, the original hearers heard it hard. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But think about that, that crowd. You're in the midst of the feeding of the 5,000. And you chase him across the lake and ask for a miracle. What sign will you do? That's the same mindset that once Lazarus is raised, wants to kill him too. But uh, instead of submitting to, the, to what's going on.
Maybe I got the choir here. Nobody's struggling with election. That's fine. Cindy. I was just connecting him making the statement that he's the bread that came down from heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that manna reference. Mm-hmm. And, um, and everyone who looks on the sun and believes puts me in mind of Moses with the serpent on the, on the pole. You look. Yeah. Saved. Of course. I mean, is yeah. that intentional? Yeah, I mean, that's in John 3, but yeah. Looking to Christ. Mm-hmm. And I love it that he says, you know, don't grumble among yourselves. I know this is really tricky <laughs> and really hard, but, you know, don't go grumbling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, read on, read on in chapter 6, and you see, you'll see that amp, that get amped up. He's, he's in the midst of opposition and... You know, he's, he's amping it up. Verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I've, said, I've told you that's what, that word draw is the same word that is used for getting water out of a whale. You don't woo the water out of the whale. You drag it out of the whale. Same, same, same word there. And then notice just a little bit, just a little bit down below that. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me, right? And verse 47, whoever believes has eternal life so so many so many of the times when you present the doctrine of election people will come back at you like well i just believe whosoever will may come i'm like fine i like that too that's a bible verse but nobody will i mean think about ephesians 2 our situation before we came to christ was dead in sin walking dead dead to god Resisting him, walking in the ways of the world. You know, and spiritually speaking, that's not Princess Bride, mostly dead. That's dead, unresponsive. Yeah, that he is. What was, yeah, what was Paul going in Colossians? Our aim is to present every man perfect in Christ. Because we don't know. We preach. We just obey Jesus and who said preach the gospel to every person, right? And he'll sort them out. Michael. Yeah, yeah. It is not. That, that is a component of faith, right? Okay. So true saving faith is knowing the facts of the gospel. Believing that those facts are true. But so far, we've only qualified to be a demon. They believe all that, right? But saving faith then trusts and rests in Christ alone. So you have knowledge, assent, and trust. That's what makes up true saving faith. So many people stop with the second component, right? Just make it an intellectual thing that makes no difference in life. I believe in God. Well, good, but there's more to the story, right? It's that you might trust in Christ. They might know him and have eternal life in his name. But I, the comfort from these things, because sometimes we do struggle, and especially when, we're, when we are um, first exposed to the doctrine, we are going to say a lot of things, like that's not fair or no, no, no. But one of the things we will struggle with, or some of us will struggle with, will go, well, what if I'm not elect? Maybe I want to believe and he won't take me because I'm not elect. See, verses like this will just wipe that off the page for you. 
whoever comes to me, whoever believes in me, will not be lost. He will have eternal life. The fact is, the question, the better question is whether or not we have faith in him. And if we have faith in him, we know if we read Ephesians 2 that he did that. Because we were dead and he made us alive. By grace you have been saved. It's the gift of God. And that it there in that context means that entire grace by faith salvation. I mean, sometimes we'll start struggling with, well, why not him and why not her and why? That's not the point. You're going beyond what is revealed at that point. Just rest and trust in your own soul and trust in the God, God's word that he's going to save everyone given to Christ and keep witnessing. My dad came to faith weeks before he died. He did. Saw a true change. True change. My brother came to faith weeks before he died. <laughs> uh, one evangelist said it this way say that with a tear in your eye yeah. because of all of those who are lost mm. and um, my my middle child is uh, 23 my youngest is 30 and uh, both raised in Burton Evans for the Lord um, but both Amen. Amen. There is hope. There is hope. Keep witnessing till there's not breath. So I can tell you from experience, my brother persecuted me and resisted me and made fun of me for years. And what it took for him, he, he was a very smart, good-looking, proud guy. And what it took for him was to have all that taken away and be laying flat on his bed in a hospital bed, back in a hospital bed, knowing he was about to die. And he was scared to death. And that time when I shared the gospel with him, it hit. It's all in God's providence, Sarah. You know, one thing I think about too, though, is how many people, like what Jesus do you believe in? You know what I mean? Yeah. That sometimes when you're coming out of that situation where someone has been a skeptic and they have, the, the, when they do come to faith, it's a, it's a more reliable faith because they, oh, yeah. they've been on the other side of it. It's not true. like yeah. people who've grown up in cultural Christianity their whole lives and they're believing in a Jesus that is not even the Jesus of the Bible. And they think that they're, and what is it Jesus says? Many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this? Didn't I do that? And I'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. That's right. You know, so like I would I would be encouraged at what God can do, you know, especially Amen. when someone, has, if they have been a skeptic, when they come to that faith, it's going to be yeah. a true faith. I mean, I can testify to that. I was raised in the church. And as soon as they took the reins off me, I showed exactly what I was made of. And it wasn't church people. Right? But But God... But God, that's all I'll say.
but God at the age of 26. And Corey's testified to that. And, you know, think about the Apostle Paul. If there was anybody you'd have ever looked at and said, well, there ain't no way that one's one of God's people. There ain't no way he's chosen. Well, he had his day, didn't he? On the road to Damascus. He said, he said, he said, this is a faithful saying that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And he said, he saved me that the rest of you might be encouraged. Right? None of us deserve it. None of us, if anybody would have given up on it, it would have been him. Right? Imagine, well, I won't go there. That's a whole other ball of weeds. But persecuted believers. And how many of them were doing what Christ said and praying for their enemies? And saw that come to pass. I know not many of them believed it because they didn't want him coming around him in Jerusalem until Barnabas brought him in, right? No, really, guys, he's really been converted. Thoughts? Any other? Any other things? Struggle? Comments? Questions? Verses? Not trying to. And try to do it. I have a hard time because I, I so desperately just want my yeah, yeah. children to walk away yeah, yeah. from that. And now they're having children and they're keeping their children. It is, it is hard, unbelieving. But, well, just remember, never forget that the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And there, while it's true that you can't convert anybody, you can give them the gift of the power that does convert, right? In many ways, family's tough. Family, co-workers can be tough. Things like that can be tough because we don't want to be such an annoyance that people don't want to see us coming. But we want to be faithful as light and salt as well. So being wise about how to do that without them like seeing you coming and running in the other room, you know. And some of that comes through loving them and serving them and, and, and you know, that kind of thing. But, yeah, I mean, one of the most effective things you can do is pray. We don't believe that, do we? Pray and give them the gospel to the extent they'll let you. If they say, shut up and don't talk to me about that, then shut up and don't talk to them about that. Well, and that's okay. You season your conversation with salt, and if they don't like salt, and to some extent, 
that you and I were talking about this earlier. There's such comfort, too, though, in these doctrines because we know that our loved ones, our kids and, and grandkids, if they are what they will find. And nobody will be able to stop it. That's right. And, and so there's comfort and there's rest in that, knowing that the God of the universe always does what's right. And if they're his, they're going to find Just like you do. Just like I do. Yeah. And, and there's hope for those who were in the church, your children or grandchildren, who ran away. Oh, oh of course. 37B, uh, yeah. we, we jumped over it, but uh, well, my, all that the Father gives me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast That's right. out. You could run all day long, but if, if the Spirit of God comes upon you, if you were ever his, even on my stepdad's deathbed, to the Lord. It's not what we trust Him in, and not what we. But it happens. Yes, it happens. It happens. And it was only because of the faithful witness and testimony of my brother. Yeah. Who said, Dad, you're on your last breath. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say that the Lord brought him home. Amen. Jeff. Yes. I would just encourage. we have corporate prayer, that is a time to come and to cry out Amen. to our gracious and merciful yes. Lord for the salvation of our loved ones. And so if you are not coming to that, please come to that. Yes. And let that be a prayer request. And let's pray for that every single time. Yep. Yeah, and our, our children here. And it's so, so multifaceted, yeah. you know. I wish Sam was here in a way because he's told me about a I don't know if he's ever told you other elders about it before, but he had a friend in law school who, uh -huh. who's he been an atheist, yeah. And he's like super intellectual, right? But Samuel, the one thing is that this this guy, even though he's been an atheist, he's really enjoyed and, and treasured his friendship with Samuel as a Christian because Samuel doesn't hide the doctrine of an election from him. He He's told him, you just might not be someone who will ever believe, you know? But he... He could say it way better than me, but the, point is, <laughs> the, the, but the point is he's been able to have those intellectual conversations, and he's not trying to convince him. You know what I mean? He's not trying to, like, he's answering questions. To, yeah, yeah. He, he's just, but he's able to answer the questions, and he's been able to be true to the faith, and he's able to talk about the fact that, well, this is, this is how it works. You know what I mean? And it might not be that you, you just might not have it, but when he recently expressed that he he, he wished he could have that faith. Samuel said, well, you need to start going to a church, even if you don't believe it. If you want to get hit by a train, you need to stand on the track. That's right. You know? <laughs> and, um, so, I mean, but I love hearing him talk about that because I've been hearing those stories about him since law school, and he used to be way farther. But he's been carried through some really hard stuff, and it's kind of been breaking him down. And it'll be interesting, but the good thing is he knows he can go to Sam, and Sam's honest with him, and he's not trying to, like, proselytize. You know what I mean? He's just yeah. being a true, you know, Christian, sharing sharing the truth of the scripture in a way that's not trying to browbeat him and try to coerce him and try to promise him the sun and moon and stars if he, yeah. you know, yeah. Don't undervalue your prayers. The means to the ends, Right? The God who ordains the ends also ordains the means to those ends. And prayer is a vital cog in that. I have no doubt that my grandmother um, prayed for me a lot. 
she was a godly woman and, and had a Bible, gave us Bibles, you know, wanted to take us to church. It was her church when I walked the aisle and had a false conversion when I was really little and then ended up by the, by the Lord's grace. But she would pray and she would give the word. So pray and give the word, right? Give it <clears throat> as they'll take it. I think Augustine's mother was very vital in his conversion and her prayers were very vital in his conversion. So, and I, I've told you, my dad and my brother, right? After years of praying, Right? So just don't give up. And the, the assurance and the comfort is just like the Apostle Paul. If, he's, if they're in God's crosshairs, they're coming. They're coming. The other thing, not to get, don't forget about this and be utterly convinced of this when you're thinking about the doctrine of election. None deserve mercy. God could have saved one. He could have saved four. He could have saved none. He wasn't under any obligation to save anybody, and yet he's saving a multitude from every tribe, tongue, nation, and language that will be innumerable and around his throne on the new heavens and the new earth, worshiping him forever. This is just another place where we're often being asked in life by God, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Will you just believe my word? It's there for your good and for your comfort. You won't be able to figure it all out. Do you trust me? So if it's in the word and the word's rightly exegeted, rightly interpreted, and it's there, it's there for our good. It's a necessary thing. It's something we need to hold to. So that we'll have the peace and confidence and rest that we should have walking through this life. Thoughts? Closing thoughts or comments? Y'all are quieter than I thought, but that's okay. If you're not struggling, you're not struggling. I'm not going to push you into struggling. I have been blessed. and It's another thing. You know, I didn't expect God to blow, blow the church up during COVID. I just didn't. Right? I expected to have more trouble preaching through Romans 9. And then we haven't. I haven't had anybody come to me with it. Now, maybe they're there. But people are not coming and grumbling. I don't believe that. The ones I'm hearing from are owning it and adopting it and growing in grace. And that's talking to my other brothers who are elders in the church. That's, that's what they're hearing. So, you know... You know, we're having space problems in the church, and you think, we're going to preach through Romans 9. That's going to clear up some of the space. And more people are coming than ever, so praise God. But, well, we've tried that. We've done that, too. But, no, it's good. It's just evidence of God's work of grace. And I'm, I'm just I'm so thankful to be here and thankful for the way y'all receive the word and encourage one another and encourage us as elders and, and uh, but if you do if you do run across trouble spots or like you're doing your daily reading and you go how does that fit well you know what ask because just like you're beginning to struggle with a particular verse a lot of people have struggled with that verse in the past and can help you with it so if things come across your mind or 
whatever, and you have questions or comments or especially things you're struggling with, that's, that's one encouragement I'll give to you just across your Christian life is, is if you have things you're struggling with, talk to somebody. You're not designed to carry it alone. You're not designed. Your shoulders aren't big enough to just carry the burdens alone. But, but link up with other brothers and sisters in Christ, pastors, whoever. If, you know, if it's a godly person who loves the word, loves the Lord, it's going to lead you in the right direction. Link up. Be willing to be helped because he's designed us to live in community and to help one another. Yes, ma'am. Romans 9, yeah. But I think God gave you the words to deliver to us to help us to understand it like we've never well, understood it before. That's what I pray for. That's what I pray for. I do think once you see the structure of things, it does help a lot. I'm astounded that you've gone to two different Bible colleges and heavy on the replacement theology. Mm. And this is right, I mean, this was right before my eyes, too, and I missed it. Mm. And It really does, sadly. Almost willful. Hmm? Almost willful. Sometimes it is willful. And I say that because before I understood it, you'd read it and go, that can't be right. But then, and I know you struggled with it. Yeah. You oh, man. Agreed with it, too. Yes, I did. And it's something that I guess the Spirit moves in you and lets you accept That's right. That's right. That's right. And it, it, it happens that it, you see it in one place, and then you see it in two, and then you see it in four. And eventually, if the Spirit's at work, you just say, okay, okay. I got it. But part of that is you're interrogating the Word. Yeah, yeah. If you're not in the Word, you can have the whole world fall over you, and you just say, okay, whatever. You know, that, it's when you're digging in. That's right. What does this right. Word mean? That's why I said two weeks ago, if you're not willing to study the Word, you won't get this. You won't get it. But if the Word's a treasure, and you're mining in that treasure, you're going to see it everywhere. right? You'll get it. Spirit will convince you of all of the truths of His Word. And one of those glorious truths, big heading, is His sovereignty. Without a knowledge of his sovereignty, you won't walk with, through this, this place, this world, with near the peace that you should have and rest. <laughs> Without a knowledge of sovereignty, you can't even get through Walmart, Brian said. <laughs> Not without losing your sanctification, right? All right. I'm going to read this one more time to quit. All that the Father gives to me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. God's words. Let's pray.
Lord, increase our confidence in you. Just to trust you, rest in you. Yes, live faithfully for you and walk with peace and be witnesses. And Lord, just help us to trust you. Help us to see things in your word that are rightly there and taught and just to adopt them and own them. Be it this or any other truth that is in your scriptures. Give us the grace to love you, to thirst after you, to thirst after your word, to dig in it, to mine for its nuggets like silver and gold, and to be strengthened and grown and fortified thereby for life and witness in this dark world. Help us to witness to our lost friends and co-workers and family members. Help us to pray for them and witness to them and love them and serve them and wait on the Lord. To do it with a tear in our eye, yes, but with full confidence in you. Lord, we praise you. We thank you for your work of grace in our lives. And we pray that you just continue to grow us in your grace. It's in the holy name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's sting, sting. Let's uh, not sting. Let's sing. He leadeth me. Number fifty-eight.
He leads us. That passage I mentioned earlier is actually the one I chose for the benediction, 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5. But just listen to this glorious truth in these three verses. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Revel in His grace. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here.